Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Hi, this is Professor Chapman. Recently we've been doing some Facebook Live sessions where I've been answering questions from the listeners and participants. What you're about to hear now is some audio of those segments and I hope they'll be useful for you. Rap says, what are my chances as a 44-year-old woman? I tried IVF, but it wasn't successful. I wasn't told about IVF glue. Would this help? Okay, that's a, a good question. There's something called embryo glue. There are those of us that are still sceptical that it makes any difference. It's not a glue at all. To be honest, it's a, it's a great commercial name that makes people think it's going to do good because it makes the embryo stick. It's not that at all. It's actually an enzyme that breaks down the, the eggshell and then it's up to the embryo to decide whether it's going to stick or not. So really, it's not a glue at all. But the company that, that market it, uh, call it that, and that's a, you know, it's a great name and that's what's there. Okay, so what does the evidence suggest? There are a lot of studies that have been done that suggest it's positive, but most of those have been paid for by the company that is doing it. So I'm always suspicious about that. But I have to say that there, more recently there have been a couple of new studies that suggest it may be of benefit. So indeed, IVF Australia is now moving forward to actually use embryo glue on every patient because our senior scientists believe that it makes a difference. Will it make a difference in a 44-year-old? It's a very marginal issue. The major problem with being 44 and having an embryo put back is that at 44, 95% of embryos, even though they look beautiful, even though they've got the right number of cells, the right shape, 95% of them will be genetically abnormal. So the odds of success in a 44-year-old are immediately very poor. When I treat 44-year-olds, and I do treat quite a few because somebody has told the world that somehow I'm I'm Mr. Magic with those ones, but I'm not. I certainly believe that women should be given the opportunity to try whatever their age because it's it's I think from a psychological perspective women need to know as they go older and older when they look back that they've tried everything possible so I'm I'm more than happy to treat patients but they've got to be realistic so a 44 year old sitting down in front of me I would be saying your odds of a pregnancy through IVF are still less than five percent that's not nothing now that's five percent after we get an embryo over half the patients that I treat at 44 never get to an embryo because when we stimulate we don't get enough don't get any response from the ovaries when we collect an egg or two if they're there the fertilization rate of those to create an embryo uh, is less than 50 percent so they won't have a day five embryo to put back in 50 percent, even though we've collected an egg and then the growth of those five days in the laboratory will mean that only about 20% of those people that start a cycle even get an embryo to put back. And when we put that embryo back, only 5% of them will get pregnant and have a baby. So the odds are poor. There's no question of that. I say that to patients. They still want to try. 
and I still will do it because I believe it's important for them to go through the process to understand that the odds are so low. I agree with um, Professor Chapman. I think that it's very important to do a cycle to see. We've all got the miracle story of that special little baby and that gives us hope. But I, I think it's also very important for, for closure and then, you know, the possibility then is there's a whole other world out there that most people don't consider with donors and that. And not that's not for everyone. And I think it's by doing a cycle, it makes you realise how much you want something and if you're prepared to go down that pathway because that's a very difficult pathway. It's emotionally, it's draining, it's financially draining, it's, it's everything draining. But you know, a lot of these girls will definitely do that. And, you know, I think that's very important for them to have done a cycle, to put that closure in, to say, yes, this is how much we want something and we're going to do that. Christy says, what is your view on the natural killer cells? I've changed clinics after five failed rounds. New specialists did a whole heap of bloods and I now know that I'm pre-diabetic and have the natural killer cells. I'm single, 37 years old, no children and using donor sperm. I presume by the her saying I have natural killer cells. Everybody has natural killer cells. It's, it's having them in excess, which is the problem, or we believe it's the problem. There's still controversy about what the importance of finding that result is because no one's ever done a randomised controlled trial to show that suppressing them makes a difference. There are a lot of anecdotal stories, and, and certainly, you know, I would say myself, I've treated patients who've who've had two or three failed transfers, and I've done natural killer cells because I have some belief that that's an issue and have found positives, treated it with steroids, and have had pregnancies. Now, whether they would have got a pregnancy anyway after three, you know, on their third or fourth attempt, you know, we still know there's a background rate um, of success. And But you need, there isn't the scientific evidence, absolute scientific evidence to make to make that judgment. There are a lot of people in the world who don't believe in it at all. So, you know, I wouldn't be critical of someone who didn't do that test as part of the workup of recurrent failure. They may play a role is probably where I stand at the moment. In relation to the pre-diabetes, I'm not sure that has any implication whatsoever to IVF. I mean, pre-diabetic is some insulin, what's called insulin resistance. A large percentage of the population have that and a large percentage of the population get pregnant easily. Um, they, they tend to have a higher incidence of diabetes, proper diabetes in pregnancy. You have to be aware of that, but I don't think in terms of getting pregnant, it makes any difference. And after the pregnancy goes uh, is finished, does the diabetes go away? But it does predispose you when you're in your 50s and 60s to having a higher chance of having diabetes. Okay, so that's what they call gestational diabetes. Okay, so I hope that answers your question, Christy, and if you have any more questions, please do follow up with the questions. We're here to answer them. Uh, I'll go to Claire now. Claire says, 30 years old, low AMH of between six to seven with borderline PCOS. Wondering what egg numbers would be approximately. Thank you. If we did an IVF cycle, is what she has presumed she's asking, what would we expect to get out in terms of eggs? Well, there's, there's, there's something slightly inconsistent in what she's just said or whatever she's been told. Women with polycystic ovaries or even borderline polycystic ovaries, one of the new diagnostic tools is a high AMH. So when you tell me she's got an AMH of six or seven, which is not very low, yes, it's low, but it's not very, very low, then uh, I question the diagnosis of PCOS. But, you know, that's there are other, other um, tests to be done, uh, ultrasound, for instance, look at the ovaries, 
and other hormone levels that can give some indication of PCOS. But I'd be surprised at that level if she did have PCOS or even a tendency towards it. So now, what level is associated with PCOS, Prof? Uh, more than 20. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. If we stimulated her today with a dosage of drugs that would be average, which for her I would say would be around 150 to 200 units of FSH, which is yeah, slightly above average for a 30-year-old. I would expect to get 10 to 15 eggs. Okay. So she has eggs. There's no question of that at six to seven. I'd be more worried if it was one or two. I'm not particularly worried at six to seven. It just means I'll increase the dose to try and get a better yield of eggs. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. 